Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous broadcast, I was speaking about Hebrews chapter 3 and the importance of recognizing that the reason why the children of Israel did not enter into the promised land of Israel when they were taken out of Egypt was because they did not believe their God. That was the actual sin that they committed that prevented them from entering into the promised land. This is described in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, where in verse 18 it says, And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. It was their unbelief that was their disobedience. He told them to believe. They refused to believe, and so by definition, they were disobedient to their God. And it was because they did not believe him that they did not enter into the promised land. When the Lord first called them out of Egypt, he told them that he was going to take them into a land flowing with milk and honey, that in that land they would be able to drink from wells they did not dig, and they would eat from vineyards that they did not plant. They would effectively be able to go in and live their lives With everything that they would have a need for, they would be able to live their lives out of the abundance of what was already there, that they would not necessarily have to work as hard as they would if they were pioneering the entire territory, but instead they were going to be able to go in and take over the infrastructure that was already in place. And so in that way, in that sense, the Lord told them that they were going to enter into a rest. They were going to enter into his rest as was available in the promised land of Israel. And this rest, of course, is best defined as rest in a person's flesh. Because when you think about milk and honey and vineyards and water from wells, when you think about these things, you're actually thinking about the issues of the flesh, what you may eat or what you may drink, or whether or not you're going to be able to live without having the threat or risk of war with other people or other nations. That's the kind of rest that the Lord was speaking about. He was offering them an opportunity to rest in their flesh. There was no opportunity for them to rest in their spirit, just in their flesh. That's what he's talking about here in Hebrews chapter 3. And they refused to enter into that because they did not believe their God. That was their sin, that they did not endure to the end, which was the end of their belief, which was to believe to the extent where you would actually step into what the Lord promised to give you. Now, the children of Israel did eventually enter into the promised land. They entered into the promised land and they began to take over the land. And over time, they were able to assert enough control over the land to the extent where they were able to enjoy the vineyards that had been planted and drink from the wells that had been dug previously from other people. But when they did, there was a rest that they still did not enter into. And that's another rest that has to do with a person's spirit. It has to do with a person's heart. And this is something that they certainly encountered, especially because they discovered 
that while they were living their lives there in Israel, they still had a restlessness in their hearts. Some people were willing to try to live in obedience to the Mosaic law, to all of the commandments of God, and they discovered that they were not able to really live up to the expectations that were described in the law. And so, in effect, they were not able to really live as God wanted them to live while they were there in the promised land. They were not living a righteous and holy life, is what I mean. So while they were able to indulge their flesh with the things that were there in the land, they were not able to live a holy and righteous life as the Lord had called them to, to avoid the sins of the people who they overthrew. And so the people discovered that they did not have rest with their God. They did not have peace with their God. That they were still sinful, wicked, and evil, and they were not able to overcome those particular issues in their own hearts. So when you consider Hebrews chapter 4, as we enter into Hebrews chapter 4, it's important to understand that, first of all, the children of Israel were not able to enter in because of their unbelief. Their unbelief was their sin, it was their disobedience. But even though they entered in, they did not enter in to all of the rest that the Lord had available for them. There was more rest besides the rest in the flesh. And this is described in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, where the writer says, Therefore let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. And what that meant was, in terms of united by faith, was that they did not respond to the truth that had been revealed to them. They did not believe to the extent where they were willing to enter into the promised land. But here's the distinction, and here is the transition in this thought, in this train of thought that the writer to the Hebrews is establishing. The transition is that even though the children of Israel had good news proclaimed to them, the good news that they would be able to enter in, and live in the land that was promised to them. Even though that was good news to them, that was the good news they received, they did not enter in because they did not walk in response to the truth. They did not live in accordance with the truth that had been revealed to them. They refused to walk in. They were not believing the Lord, and that was their disobedience. So likewise, we also have received good news. But the good news that we share today is not to go into the promised land and eat from vineyards that you did not plant and drink from wells that you did not dig or to live in a land flowing with milk and honey. That is not the good news of Jesus the Messiah. The good news of Jesus the Messiah is different from the good news that the children of Israel received. However, just as they failed to enter into the rest that the Lord promised them, so we also can fail to enter into the rest that he has promised us if we will not believe the good news of the gospel. If we will not believe that, then we will be disobedient to our God through our unbelief. And if that is the case, then we will not be saved, we will be condemned, and we will never have a place in the kingdom of heaven, we will not be saved. That's the point of Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, that there is a different gospel that has been presented 
to the whole world than was presented to the tribes of Israel. A different gospel. However, you have to believe the good news, just as they had to believe the good news. And if we will not believe the good news, then there's no hope for us. There's no way of entering in to his rest. Now, again, the rest that he offered to the children of Israel was rest in their flesh in the land. But to us, he is offering us a different kind of rest that is not rest in our flesh. The gospel is not about resting in Christ Jesus so that you can indulge your flesh with food and drink. That's not what the gospel is about. It's about something different. It is about resting in your heart. It is about resting in your spirit. Now, the children of Israel were given this gospel in advance, and the reason why they were given this gospel was because they were also given the law. The law, as it was given through Moses, was the transition between one gospel and the other. The law was the transition. The law was given, effectively, to show us and to demonstrate to us that no matter what we do or how we do it, no matter how sincere we may be, no matter how devoted or how committed we might be to try to be a holy people, we will never be a holy people. We will never be able to overcome all of the sins that we struggle with. The Lord Jesus spent the vast majority of his ministry explaining that to the people that he was speaking to in the land of Israel, that there was no way that they were going to possibly enter into the kingdom of heaven if they were not perfect, not only perfect in the outward expression of their flesh, but also perfect in the inward expression of their hearts, in their spirits, in their souls, in their minds. If they were not totally sinless in all aspects, then there was no way that they would ever be saved. There was no way that they could possibly ever enter into the kingdom of heaven. But in context of this transition between one covenant and the other, the transition has to do with you need to finally recognize that there is no way that you can possibly overcome the sin in your life so that you can be righteous and holy and be able to go before a holy and righteous God and have a place in the kingdom of heaven because of your obedience or because of your repentance or because of both, a combination of your repentance and obedience, that that was not going to happen, that that was not going to be real. But until you realize that, you're going to have to continually try and work at it with hope that one day you will discover and recognize the truth that you cannot do it. And so while a person tries to live in accordance with the law, this transition between one covenant and the other, we pray that one day that they will recognize this, but if they don't recognize this, then they're going to continually try to live a life of works. That's where we get the definition for the word works, works of righteousness, works of obedience, works of repentance, works of overcoming a person's sin, sins of commission, sins of omission, whatever you want to call these things, whatever kind of label you want to put on them, no matter how you describe it, to try to live a life of trying to obtain or sustain your right standing before your God is a life of works, works of the flesh, Works of the Spirit, no matter how you want to describe them, they are still works. And when you are working, you are not resting. You are not resting in anything, not even your own works, because your works are never going to be adequate. There is a rest that our God has called us to according to the gospel of Jesus our Messiah. 
And that rest has to do with the fact that he doesn't hold any of our sins against us anymore. When he died on the cross for the sins of the entire world, he died on the cross for the sins of the entire world. Now, I'm repeating that in order to exaggerate the point that this has to do with all sins of all people throughout the entire course of history, that the entire sin issue between us and our God is completely over. It was over a long time ago. He is the one who resolved this issue. It's completely dead. It's a dead issue. Do not try to resurrect it anymore. It's not living. It's not alive. There is no life in it. There is no sin issue between anyone and their God. No one will ever go to hell because of their sin, for example. They will go to hell because they are spiritually dead. That I'm definitely confident of is the truth. However, we are not going to go to hell because of our sin. But considering the fact that he doesn't hold any of our sins against us anymore, then it doesn't matter whether you are obedient or repentant or whether you are able to obtain or sustain your right standing with God anymore. It doesn't matter what you do or what you don't do, that your right standing before your God will not be evaluated under those conditions anymore. And so if that's true, then you can rest from your works of righteousness. That is the rest that we have been called to on the basis of the forgiveness that has been given to us according to the good news that has been proclaimed to us, the gospel, that because the sin issue is resolved, we can finally be at rest. We no longer have to work and labor to try to get all of the sin out of our life. Now, when it comes to sin, of course, I do believe that we should expect to see a reduction of sin in a believer's life as they mature. But I consider that to be a separate subject from what I am describing right now. And so don't make immediate conclusions about what I believe until you hear everything that I have to say concerning this subject. But I have to first get past this initial issue of what is the rest that the Lord has called us to enter into. And I sincerely believe that this is the rest that we have been called to. It is a rest from our own works of righteousness. And this is vital, especially because of the warning that is given in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, where he said, Therefore, let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. And you know what? There are a lot of you who have come short of it. And you should be afraid of that. And I know there are tons of people A huge percentage of people in Christianity today who I personally have interacted with and come in contact with who have definitely violated the Lord and violated the gospel according to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 because they have failed to enter into his rest. The number one way that people fail to enter into his rest is that people still believe that the Lord holds their sins against them. This is everywhere. This is absolutely everywhere. Anytime you hear anybody say anything that gives you the sense, feeling, or impression that the Lord holds your sins against you in any way whatsoever, then that is a person who has failed, who has failed to enter into the rest that God has promised and that God has given. This is a person who is not believing in the complete forgiveness that has already been executed on their behalf. Therefore, they are being disobedient to God according to the example that was given to us with the nation of Israel. And as a result, I don't know if they're saved or not. I personally believe that there is great evidence to show that they will be, but that's because of other issues and other reasons. 
I am thankful that I won't be making these kinds of judgments, and I think they should also be thankful concerning that particular issue, that the Lord will make the right judgment concerning these things. But the point is that I really want to emphasize is that they are being disobedient. They are the ones who are violating God, and they are violating the gospel. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. If you believed that the Lord did not hold your sins against you anymore, then you would walk in your daily life recognizing that truth and responding to that truth. That would be your faith in the truth that was revealed. That would be your expression of your faith and would demonstrate that you believe God. Let me give you an example. If at any time you ask God to forgive you for your sins, then that is definitely a violation of the truth that has been revealed. Because if you ask him to do something that he has already done, you don't believe that he's already done it. That's the bottom line. Now, of course, I'm not saying that we should then use that as an excuse to sin or that the sin issues that we struggle with are not important. That's definitely not what I'm saying. Again, I can say a lot about this subject. Consider the series of teachings that I did titled Overcoming Sin. In those programs, I said an awful lot about this subject, especially concerning the ways that people try to overcome sin but never do overcome their sins. I have a lot to say about that, but in this context, I just want to say, with the short amount of time that I have, right now, that if you ask God to forgive you for your sins, then you don't believe that he has already forgiven you of your sins. You are not walking by faith. You are not living by faith. You have not walked through the door of salvation that has been opened to you. You are not walking and living in accordance with the new covenant. You have not entered into that yet, let alone experience anything about the rest that we have been called to. You do not know what that is. And I can say that with great conviction because I remember what it was like to live that way. I remember what it was like. And so I see a lot of people who are still in the situation where I once was. And I have experienced walking by faith according to the new covenant. And I will tell you with great conviction and with great sincerity that the life that I walk in today is so much greater than the life that I was walking in before. That the life that I know, which you do not know, you have no idea what it's about, is so incredible. The freedom and the rest and the peace that I have in my heart, and also, in addition to that, the side effect of overcoming sins in my life. I don't want to neglect that at all. This is something that's very real to me and very different to me, and that's why I can say it with such conviction when I say that there are many people who have not entered into this and do not know what it means because of their belief concerning their sins before their God. This is very, very important. Continuing in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. All right, in verse 3, he begins to make an official transition. The writer begins to make the official transition, talking about the works of righteousness, the works of obedience. I sincerely believe that his works were finished from the foundation of the world to say that he had established a Savior before the foundation of the world, that he anticipated 
the sins of humanity, and he had anticipated the need for a Messiah, the need for forgiveness, the need for the restoration of the Holy Spirit to the people who were born into this world spiritually dead. And of course, I believe that salvation is the restoration of the Holy Spirit, and the forgiveness of sins is what makes that restoration possible. And once a person has been individually resurrected by the indwelling presence of the life of God, it is then that they are saved. That's what I believe the gospel truly is. And he established this before the foundation of the world. His work of salvation was finished then from the foundation of the world. His work of making sure that we would have the means by which we could be saved had already been accomplished. And those who do not believe the gospel that has been revealed... They do not enter into that salvation. They do not enter into that rest in the same way, or at least in a similar way, as he swore in his wrath, they shall not enter my rest, when he was speaking of the children of Israel in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, that they shall not enter my rest. The children of Israel did not enter into the rest that he had called them to because they did not believe. So also you will not enter into his rest if you do not believe in what he has done and that the works that he has done for you are all that need to be done, that it is finished, it is over, that he has now established an opportunity for you to begin to have a relationship with him. You know, the children of Israel were invited to enter into the promised land to enjoy what he was going to give to them. And he gave them all that they needed for their lives there in the land in terms of their flesh. Certainly not with regards to their spirit or a life of holiness or godliness. That was something different. But concerning their flesh, he did all the work for them and he gave them all that they needed in order to live. So also, in accordance with the good news that has been revealed to us, he has done all the work for us when it comes to salvation and when it comes to walking in the works that he prepares for us, when it comes to everything that has to do with our daily lives in our flesh, he has provided all that we need and he will continually provide all that we need. But in addition to that, what he did not provide in the Old Covenant, he does provide in the New Covenant, and that is all that we need in our spirits, all that we need in our hearts. He meets all the needs that we have deep within the very core of our being, and that was not what he offered the children of Israel. This is what he offers the people who believe in the gospel of Jesus the Messiah, These are people who are children of God, born again by His Spirit, and only these people are given all that they need, all that we need in the very core of our being, in our spirit and in our soul. That is good news. And this is on the basis of what He has given to us, what He has done for us, all of the works that He has already done for us. This is a vital, important thing to understand, that this is not about what you do for God. It is all about what he has done for you. And if you will not believe in all that he has done for you, then you will not enter into his rest. Continuing in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. 
He's talking about the Sabbath day and the foreshadowing of the Sabbath day that does not have anything to do with resting during one day of the week. It has to do with foreshadowing a real rest that we can now enter into on the basis of resting from our works of righteousness, our works of holiness, to include our work of resting on the Sabbath day as an act of obedience to the Mosaic law. There is another rest that has to do with resting from all works of righteousness, all works of holiness, and that is the rest that he is referring to. He is referring to a rest of trusting and believing in what he has already accomplished. And if you try to live in accordance with your own works in any capacity in order to obtain anything from God or to give anything to God, then you have completely lost sight of everything that he has accomplished and everything that he is doing. You have not entered into the rest that he has called us to, which is a different rest than what he's talking about on the Sabbath day. In verse 6, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying, Through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's verse 9. If there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, then it's not the same rest that was offered through the Mosaic Law, and it's not the same rest that was offered through the Promised Land. There is another rest in verse 10. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. If you will not believe the truth of what he has already done and given to you, you will fall according to the same example of disobedience. And if you do that, then you have definitely come short of the truth that has been revealed, and you should fear, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.